Welcome to the Running After 40 podcast, the podcast about all things related to running at 40 and beyond, produced by www.runningwithgrit.com. We help you stay physically healthy and emotionally strong at any running pace. I'm Sarah, your host, and a wife, a full-time working mom with three kids, three dogs, and a lifetime passion for running. Whether you are a veteran runner looking to maximize your times as a master runner or a brand new jogger starting in your 40s, 50s, or any age, this podcast will be there for your journey. I want to share stories, secrets, and strategies for success. This includes mistakes and lessons learned, all related to running past age 40. Let's hit the play button together and hit the roads as runners with grit after age 40. All right, welcome to episode nine of the Running After 40 podcast. Remember that season one is all about how I get by with a little running with my friends. And I actually have an old and dear friend with me today. I have Carla. Uh, She is a person that I have spent, I don't know how many hours and miles on the roads together back in college. Uh, I was part of her wedding. She was a part of my wedding. I think that she is, she just exemplifies how runners make the best friends and how we could just pick up before I started the recording on this. And just have a chat about all the things, even though we haven't actually seen each other in person in so long. So I miss her dearly. And I just, I think I want us all to just take a moment and be just be grateful for the friends that running can provide. But thank you, Carla, for coming on. And do you want to just give a little introduction of yourself? Sure. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me. So my name is Carla. I started running back in junior high. And I currently live in Connecticut with my husband and three children, and I work part-time at the local Montessori school. Nice. So the last time that we talked, you were doing that. You had actually traveled overseas to get training in that. So the thing about Carla is that she was always ultra curious. Uh, She was always just willing to try different things. And so when I was in college, you know, I went to college not that far from home. And I just remember her being willing to like travel abroad and do all these things that I was scared to do. So I think, you know, it's just another reminder of how people come into your life for a reason. Uh, and it's just really neat. So tell me about how you I, I know you were like an all star runner in high school, but I don't actually know how uh, how far back that starts, like if it started in middle school and kind of like your background there? Sure. Well, I'm a competitive person. I always yes. have been, and I probably always will be. And I worked over my life at toning it down in certain aspects, but way back in elementary school, I wanted to be the best at something and I didn't care what it was. And I had these friends in my neighborhood. And there were a couple of girls who always won, no matter what it was, racing or softball, they were just great. And when we got to junior high, I was still trying everything. I had been on the soccer team, gymnastics, softball, whatever was available, I wanted to do it, but I couldn't find the place where I could really excel. And the track season came along, this was spring of my seventh grade year. And nobody really wanted to do the distance races. And I said, sure, I'll try because I just wanted to be the best. Mm -hmm. And I ended up winning. And I was so happy that I, I got the nickname smiling suds for my last name Sudbeck, because every time I finished a race, I'd have this huge smile on my face because I felt so good. I think that was the beginning of my 
lifelong love of endorphins. So that was in junior high. And then of course that continued into high school where I ran cross country and trained through the winter and ran the spring track season. And then went on to Drake to run cross country and track there. Yeah. Wow. I actually, that's fun. Cause I didn't know that like that you originally started in that way. I want to take a step back though. Cause you said something that like really resonates with me. Cause I am also ultra competitive and that toning it down. Like, why do you feel like you've had to tone it down? Like what part is, why is it so bad? I guess for us to be, you know, ultra competitive. I think it's healthy to be competitive. I think sometimes when you're ultra competitive, you can forget your priorities. And what I've noticed in my work, uh, after college, I actually went into a financial sales job and that suited me well because it was a combination of uh, competitiveness with rewards. Yep. Um, But when I wasn't working or when I wasn't running, I noticed that most people didn't really care mm-hmm. if they won the Monopoly game yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> or if they were best of three in Rummy. And so just to maintain a friendly balance of relationships, yeah. that's when I have to tone it down. Or even sometimes in other jobs that I've had, mm-hmm. learning to understand the types of people that I'm working with and maybe they have a more collaborative nature where they just take things at a slower pace, where I wanted to move forward and get things done and accomplish what the goal was. I had to learn that not everyone works that way. Yeah. And I'm taking notes just for a selfish reasons for myself, because I think I'm still learning that as well. You know, it's when you do have that mindset, it's hard to understand that everyone doesn't have, isn't wired that way and that you have to read people a little bit better. And it's taken me a long time and it's still a part of my daily struggle, I guess, per se, is to be able to, to do that. So, um, so just going back into the conversation, tell me about something you're most proud of, like from running. Probably the thing I'm most proud of is my sophomore in high school cross country race. So that would have been fall of 91, I believe. And I won. I won that race my sophomore year, and it has to have been one of the best days of my life. It was this beautiful, sunny fall day on a Nebraska golf course. And my mom likes to say that when she watched me, it looked like I was just flying. I was so comfortable and so smooth. Mm -hmm. And I took the gold medal easily. My peer at my school also won the boys race. It was a really big day for our school. And I set the state record that year. And that record stood for around 15 years until my son was born. And I can still think back to that day and feel the sun on my shoulders. I can feel my coach's hug. And he was not a very affectionate guy, but he was sure proud of me that day. I knew I had done it when he was happy. And that that memory of that gold medal has stuck with me all these years. And you can hear the smile in my voice. It makes me feel good just thinking about it. Yeah, it's like all the time and energy and all those rough days. And then when you do have that kind of day, it just makes it all worthwhile, you know? So just taking it a segue to that, like what about the opposite? Like when have you been most frustrated and and maybe how did you deal with it? Um, In college, I, I... 
ended up with plantar fasciitis Mm -hmm. at the end of one year. And that was incredibly frustrating for me. I hadn't been injured at all in all those years. And I really didn't know how to deal with it. I didn't have practice with that kind of adversity. And I ran too long on it. And I, I literally came to a stop one morning. I was on my morning run all by myself at whatever, six o'clock in the morning. And I literally couldn't go down the block. And that was incredibly frustrating. So I, I stopped and went to the trainer and we tried to um, address it with icing and stretching. And uh, yeah, that's, when, that's one of the most frustrating experiences. And, and, you know, there have been ups and downs, of course. There are different seasons that just weren't, weren't as successful as other seasons and it's hard running so many miles and getting up and running twice a day and putting in up to 50 miles some some weeks as a young adult and maybe not having the most success at finishing races right up at the top and you start to wonder when is this going to be over yeah you know when when is my competitive life gonna gonna finish up in this sport and then you start doing well again and it it wasn't hard it wasn't hard to finish of of course in the end but there were ups and downs yeah that's really good one of the you know my two high schoolers are both competitive athletes so one of the things that we've done for them is just in the last two years or so gotten them sports psychologists to work with one you does it more on a group level and then one more on an individual level and just learning from them about how not to put so much on that like that outcome like and just to enjoy the process more um I'm like I wish I would have had that because I remember just everything was all about the the time and the the outcome and the place and you know not thinking about all the things like, you know, our friendship or just the the memories, you know, stopping along the way at Golden Corral or whatever in the van. Right. Um, and, you know, I think they the my kids are super competitive, probably even more competitive than me, believe it or not. But um, they they're learning that process of trying to look at other things. And I think I hope that it ends up like helping them so that they're not so like outcome oriented. But hopefully that's like the next generation's learning for us, in my opinion. I think that's really wonderful. I mean, sports psychologist for young athletes is a marvelous idea. And as young people, we were also much less regulated hormonally, emotionally, we were learning all those things. So if you have ups and downs, you really don't know how to deal with them vis-a-vis athletics. And so sports psychologist is an amazing idea. The other thing I think that would have been really good was yoga. Yeah, having done some yoga into my twenties, I remember looking back and saying, "Gosh, those stretches and the strengths would have done us all really, really. um, It would have helped us a lot." So those two things, I think, are wonderful for young athletes. I think so too. I mean, our idea of strength training was doing like some crunches and like the bench press, right? We had no idea really what we were doing. Like we didn't have the agility, we didn't have the hip, you know, exercises and all these things. So it it does make me think, uh, but you know, it is what it is. It was still a great, uh, you know, college career and fun to be part of the team. What about what'd you do? What'd you do after college? Did you run at all? Or did you just like stop completely? So I mentioned I took this job in financial sales and yeah. I, I moved from Iowa to New York. Yep. I was living in Westchester County and then I moved to the Bronx and I was a little bit confused about who I was and where I was at, <laughs> but yeah. I wanted to do yeah. all these unique things. So 
Um, I didn't run a whole lot after college. I think my job completely consumed me. It was a job in a career in a field in which I had no experience. I did not study business or finances in college. And so I had to take the exams and get my licenses and get up to speed. And I was at a new office and it was really, uh, it was really stressful. And I think that was enough stress in my life at that time. So I stopped running consistently. Mm-hmm. Once I got my feet on the ground a little bit, maybe a year or two later, I, I fell in with a group on Wednesday evenings at the track. And my first evening was awesome. Like I was still in good shape and I was lean and I, I show up and, and the guy's name is Kraz. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, welcome to the track. You know, don't, don't push too hard. You might want to take it easy. <laughs> no, no. He was like, oh, you should keep coming back. <laughs> and that was another friendship uh, that, that was developed in this. So no, I, di- I didn't run a whole lot, but I, I did it for fun. I ran with Krause yeah. on Wednesdays at the track. Everyone met at his house on Sundays for long runs. And I, I made a couple of good friends through that whom I still stay in touch with sporadically over the, have stayed in touch with them sporadically over the years. And then it's been a little bit on and off ever since then. It's become more of a thing for pure pleasure yes. and enjoyment than staying fit mm-hmm. or maintaining a weight or being competitive. So that's that's an excellent. It's just a perfect transition because you say that. But that's where everyone kind of wants to get to. I mean, everybody, there are people that still want to, let's say in your forties and above, you know, you still want to maybe run some races or be competitive, but most of us really do want to do it for pleasure and just like the satisfaction and enjoyment of being outside. Right. But it's really hard to get there. It's, it's hard to not look at your watch for times. It's hard to not look at other people and think, well, uh, I'm not going to do, I'll, I'll give you an example. Like even just the 5k for, you know, breast cancer awareness. I'm like, well, I don't want to do that because that would be embarrassing, you know, to, to run a time that would be like so slow. <laughs> so I'm just curious, like for selfish reasons, again, like how, how are you managing that to look at it like that? Because it just feels good. Okay. My favorite exercise is to put my running shoes on and put my feet on the pavement mm-hmm. or a path. We have a Peloton, we have a place to swim, but none of those things are that interesting to me. What's the most interesting is just going for a walk and being in nature, no matter what the weather, sometimes the weather can be really, really crummy. And I just purposefully go outside because I want to feel the cold and I want to feel the rain on my face. Mm -hmm. And I generally lose my life when I'm out, I lose the worries of the day and I can truly listen. I can truly breathe the fresh air. And I've developed this habit over the years of reliving old running memories when I run. So I'll often go for a walk and if I feel like it, I'll pick up my legs and I'll run for a mile or I'll run for 10 minutes, whatever it is, not for super long. And whenever I start running, I start to remember my friendships. I start to remember the races. I have these conversations in my head with my coaches Mm -hmm. and I thank them. Like I have these adult conversations like, well, you don't know what it meant to me. And I hear their voices in my head um, cheering me on, you know, coach courage, coach curs 
from high school, I can hear him saying, you are the greatest. <laughs> and I think because I don't run a lot, mm-hmm. I'm able to easily bring up those memories when I do, because every time I run, it's special. And like I said earlier, the lifelong love of endorphins, I'm telling you, if you don't run a lot and then you run for a mile, mm-hmm. it can feel like a half marathon because it just feels so good. And I don't really pay attention to the time much anymore, but I do take my heart rate every once in a while at the end. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you remember, it's funny that you say that about nature because even though I, I can't say like, I love running in the cold or anything. Like I actually love running in inclement weather. Like when it's super cold, like I feel like such a badass. I, or, you know, just like come back and your eyelashes are like frozen over. I just think yeah. like, okay. I just like conquered the world, but do you remember, I can't, you, you're better with directions. I was, I was getting lost, but we ran like in the woods somewhere over. I don't even think we had to drive there, like back off of grand Avenue. And we would literally be up to our knees in water. And no one else would do it with us. <laughs> so I remember that just because it was like so funny. We both really liked like that part of running. I never minded getting a little wet or muddy or whatever. It just was part of the the, the love for it, I guess. You know, I think, Sarah, that that has helped build resilience in me and others who appreciate that over the years. Yep. Like in the in the summer... Here in Connecticut, when it's over 90, everyone thinks we're having a heat wave. If it's 95, it's like, don't even go outside. And I will literally have not run for a week and I'll go put on my running shorts and be like, I have got to get out there at three o'clock in the afternoon when the heat index is over a hundred and just go for two miles because you feel so wrung out at the end and you feel so accomplished and you take that with you to other parts of your life, right? You take it with you to work. You take it with you to raising your children. I took it with me when I birthed my children. You know that you can do difficult things. Yeah, I love that. So I want to get back to like your your kids and having them, like seeing the transition to your kids running cross country because you sent me that picture. So I have a short advertisement to quickly read off and then we're going to get back to hearing about your son and the cross country because I'm curious how they run on the sand. But this episode of the Running After Age 40 podcast is sponsored by Zox.com. So it's Z-O-X.com. And Zox produces these wristband bracelets with the, and their mission is to change the world with kind words you can wear and share. So I've actually been obsessed with these for about five years. Um, they have these unique designs on one side and then you can flip it over and there's a quote on the other. So they're really ideal for Christmas gifts, birthday presents, or just a surprise for your friends or I bought one for myself. So you can wear them with like the decorative side up and then put the quote up on the other side if you want to see that. So if I'm running or training or I just need like last year when my dad was sick, I always wore it with the quote side up. And I always wore my Christmas one during COVID because it just reminded me that like the holiday season doesn't have to be uh, completely, you know, sad because we weren't able to be with family. So it just was a really uplifting last year. I had all my kids pick them out for their coaches and they were able to pick out like individual quotes, uh, for the specific person. And just some examples were like, do what you love fighter. I choose joy stronger with every struggle. Uh, you're not alone. They have so many more and they have children in adult sizes. They also have keychains, lanyards for all those healthcare professionals that are serving us now, bags, hoodies, and shirts. And I should 
mentioned, each one is made out of a recycled eight ounce water bottle. So for 15% off your entire order at Zox.com, use the code running with grit at checkout. Uh, and I just recommend getting your order in soon uh, rather than later before the holidays. Uh, so last year we tried to order some in early December and once like an individual design sells out, they're completely out because they're uh, personally and individually made. So back to the show. So Carla, you sent me a picture of your son running cross country. And I'm just curious, like how that, what it feels like, because I'm, I'm not going to get that experience. So I'm, <laughs> I'll live through <laughs> your kids vicariously, but you know, how was it like to, did you encourage? Jim? Did he come up with that on his own? How did that come about? I was ecstatic at the race okay. last week. Yes. yes. Ecstatic. So my son is a big soccer player and he plays for a club. And in the fall at school, he chose to do cross country. This is his second year, but last year they didn't do any races. They oh, couldn't yeah, be in yeah. person with other schools. And so last week was his first cross-country race ever. First time any one of my children have participated in a race. And I went with my younger daughter and it was so cute because we get out of the car and she's like, do we need the chairs? I mean, like you would put up at a soccer game, like yeah, the yeah, yeah, chairs. Yeah. And they said, no, 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 we don't need those. Are, are there going to be bleachers? Oh, <laughs> you're like, no, and we said. No, we're going to be running. Mm -hmm. So we got there just as they were beginning the race. And I, I don't think I've ever done a whole race on the sand. They ran just over two miles on the sand. And uh, my son tried to run right next to the water where it was a little bit harder. Mm -hmm. So because I had never been to a race on the sand and I was ecstatic, the, the race started and I, I, drug my daughter's hand and we started chasing the runners and like you're yeah. doing a cross-country race you want to like yeah. see where they're going yeah. and we're like go yay we're yeah. so happy for you right and then we kind of slowed down she's like why are we running and I said because we're happy and we're watching the racers yeah. and literally if you just stood in the same spot you could yeah. see the whole race because they ran down the coast and back <laughs> that's what I wondered okay they did okay gotcha <laughs> it was an out and back Okay. okay. And they finished and we didn't need to run at all. But I was so happy being there. I just like had to use that energy. And he ended up finishing third place. Oh. I was super happy for him. It was interesting because they ran the seventh and eighth grade boys and girls together. Okay. And then a moment after that, they started the fifth and sixth grade boys and girls. So it was all the grades and boys and girls together. Oh, that is neat. Okay. That's mm. cool. So in the sand, they don't wear spikes. So do they just wear regular tennis shoes or what do they wear? Regular the sneakers, but he's an eighth grader. So it's still yeah. middle school. So, okay. so there were some yeah. things that were a little more casual, like, you know, after the race, there's no cool down, nobody stretches. They just all go straight for the snacks. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> so definitely no spikes. I'm sure nobody owns spikes. It was just their regular running shoes, which aren't too fancy. Um, and no one takes it too seriously. So I, I think I was super excited for third place, but there are no medals and no one really keeps track. Okay. Okay. That's interesting. Cause I, when I saw that, I thought maybe they just started on the beach, but then when you said they ran the whole thing, I'm like, wow, that has to be hard on the legs. It's tough. He was smart to get by the water where it's a little, you can get a little bit more uh, traction, I guess. So that's, that's cool. What about like you, like now? So you, you go out for runs every once in a while. Are you doing anything else? Like, do you take any classes? Do you do yoga? Do you do any kind of strength training? Anything like that? Or you pretty much just kind of take day every day at a time? Uh, I, 
I honestly take every day at a time. I, I don't have a big workout plan. I don't have a program. I certainly don't belong to a gym. I think I tried that once many years ago and I just could not be inside. Yeah. Um, we have a Peloton in the basement. And so I'll hop on that from time to time, but I find it really liberating to not be strict with myself in yeah. this area of my life. There are so many places that I have to be on time and soccer practices. I have to, well, not soccer practices, other practices. I have to get the kids to that. I don't want to put the pressure on myself to have a goal that I may not be able to meet. And mm-hmm. so I've really taken a casual outlook to exercise and, and running. And I have to say, until I was 42 or 43, that served me very well. I was still yeah. lean and strong and fit with minimal exercise and moderate attention to my diet. And then I started noticing my body changing a little bit after that time, but not so much that I'm motivated to train for a marathon right now. Yeah. Yeah. What about, have you thought about, not a marathon, but have you thought about any other type of like, just again, like as you are hitting kind of different milestones, do you think you'll do any races in the future? Do you think that, you know, like you'll be, I don't know, in the next five, 10 years, like, what do you think you're going to do? Or do you not even you know, like about it? I, it's a great question, Sarah. And I want to continue to keep my body healthy. I, I want to continue to be careful about what I eat mm-hmm. and how much I exercise, but not so much that it becomes an obsessive part of my life. Yep. So I, I don't intend to train for or do any races in part because I don't want to put the expectation on myself. Mm-hmm. And I think I wouldn't be happy with the results either. You know, it's been so long since I've trained in a competitive way. I, I don't know that I'm emotionally ready to say this is at 45. This yep. is what it means to have a, a good 5k. Yeah. And so I prefer to keep it casual and without the stress or obligation of the competition. Yeah, no, I think you just summed up what a lot of people feel. I mean, it's like when you're a previous competitive runner and then you, I did do a lot of races right out of college. I was actually a lot faster then than in college. And then, um, you know, then you just hit this point where you can't get faster anymore. And I remember taking the kids were actually with me and I did a 5k like in our local town here. And I was like, that was my PW, like personal worst. And it was just <laughs> like, Oh, how depressing, you know? And so I, I personally, am like you, I haven't done a lot of races either in the, you know, most recent I don't even know when it really stopped. Probably 10 years, I guess, since we lived here. Maybe when we first moved here, we did some, but I'm I'm with you. So I'm that's part of the whole reason behind this podcast is just kind of just to talk about the real issues that people have when they are competitive people. And if it's something that you're good with, then that's wonderful. But there are people, you know, that also kind of miss it and want to get back to it and have to find new goals for themselves as well. Um, we didn't touch on the nutrition part at all, I guess. So I'm guessing you're a fairly well-rounded, you know, healthy eater, but do you do anything specific, I guess, or any recommendations for people too? Um, I, having a healthy relationship with food is ideal, right? Yes. And 
COVID changed things a little bit for me, you know, being, being home full time and not being as active and not having the, the regular stress of the routines of the day. Um, what I'm trying to say is I don't know that our family diet got better after yeah. COVID started. Yeah. So we're, we're trying to work through that right now yeah. and get yeah. everyone kind of back on track a little bit more. Um, but for me, you know, looking back, I realized I had kind of been hungry for a lot of years. Mm-hmm. And like I didn't realize for 10 or 15 years of my life, I was a little hungry all the time. Mm-hmm. And my body was pretty skinny and lean. Mm-hmm. But when I stopped paying so much attention to trying to be skinny and lean yeah. and gained a few pounds, I I realized that it felt good not to feel hungry or not to feel shaky at the end of the day because I didn't have enough protein. I thought that was normal. And when I started eating a little bit more and not being so strict with myself, I started to feel better, even though I had gained a few pounds. After college, I lost a lot of weight. Um, so I, and then I maintained that really low weight for a lot of years, even through having children. Mm-hmm. I was very careful about what I ate and had still been, you know, going for lots and lots of walks. And I feel really comfortable right now overall with nutrition because I, I'm not so um, worried about it. Yeah. I think that's, that's what people need to hear too, especially at our age. I think a lot of us hit that point. So yeah, I, I can resonate with all of that. I feel like I, uh, it's funny. Cause like the less I ate, the worse you feel. And then you don't always even your weight's not even that low. It was really when I had the girls that I was like, I need to get my act together. You know, like <laughs> you can't be a mom and like a role model to these kids. If you're not going to eat properly and fuel your body and here you're telling them that's what they should do, but you're like not doing it. So I think that helps me a lot. And we, um, like I said, I got the sports psychologist. I actually had a, a nutritionist work with us for a little while too. And she was great. She was like, she gave us some ideas, not that I didn't know what to eat, but just you get in ruts and you get to the point where you're, you kind of need someone to give you to, even though you know what you should do, you need to, you need someone to tell you to do that. So that really helped us. And uh, it wasn't like we had to eat any kind of certain diet. She just gave us so many ideas and just, uh, I guess she just pounded away at that message that food is fuel, food is food is fuel. And that's how we live in our house now. And it's really made all the difference. I don't restrict. I mean, we, we, we have good food in the house to eat, but definitely if we go out to eat, you know, we're going to have treats and, you know, whatever we want, you know, so it's just kind of like a balance, but I think like you, it's, it's taken a while to get there. And it's something that runners, I think in general struggle with, because the lighter you are a lot of times for a while, the faster you are, but that doesn't stick in the long term, and definitely don't want to be shaky and lightheaded and not feel good. So that's, it's not good. Yeah. Well, and I love the idea of nutritionist also, because sometimes we just don't have the time or the education to know what's happening with our bodies and to have someone help us point that out can be a really healthy thing. 
Yeah. And she's been really good just about like, you know, we're going to be in menopause, you know, like just the, the perimenopause, the premenopause, all these different aspects and how hormones affect you differently and just, you know, different ways that you can eat to combat some of those things. So it's been fascinating for me from even just the pharmacy perspective, just to know some of those things, but yeah. So, uh, what else, I guess, do you have any other advice for the listeners? You've already given like, I feel like just a breath of fresh air and it's not just because you like to work out outside like I do, but just the reality of like staying, you don't have to stay fit in, compet- in a competitive way, but just because it does, you can work out when you want to and just, it gives you endorphins and it makes you feel better. Yeah, absolutely. There is a, another thing I'd like to share with your listeners, if I may. I am working with middle school students right now. And the first couple of weeks of the school year, we worked on setting goals yep. and to help them do this and to refresh my memory. I went back to a binder that I created my junior year of high school when I was on a two week sleep away running camp. And we literally camped and drove the vans around the Midwest and Colorado and Wyoming and slept in tents. And every day we had lectures and lessons on life from an incredible a man named Coach Sellers, Marshall Sellers. And I had all these notes about goal setting. And I was able to share those with my students, why we set goals, what goals are, what kind of people we want to choose to be in our life. And in those notes, Coach Sellers reminded us that key people, he calls them key people, have great influence on our lives. And for some runners... Our coaches may have been those key people that helped us with these key experiences. And following that note, he told us, let key people know that they matter. Mm. <laughs> and so as a, my goal with my middle school students, I said, I haven't reached out to this coach in probably 30 years, but I'm going to write to him. Yeah. And so I found his email address and I wrote him a long and heartfelt email, letting him know what an influence, a positive influence he had on my life in terms of discipline and success and setting goals. I didn't know all those things before he was my coach, my junior year of high school. And so the message is recognize key people in your life and make sure that you let the key people know you appreciate them. And it's never too late. It may be 30 years in the making this thank you that you've been meaning to say to somebody, but it's never too late. That is beautiful. So I'm writing that all down for the show notes and just for myself as well. So I, it, it's so true. I mean, it is true. Like when you, sometimes you have to look back and you have to look at all those little markers and the different people that shaped you. And at the time, it doesn't seem like that big of a deal. But like, when you look back, even just doing these interviews, it's like the, the runs that I had with you. I mean, think about how the conversations we would have about the things that we were going to do and the people where they were going to become. And, you know, when somebody wanted to quit or slow down and how, you know, you might get, I remember the, uh, not to completely digress the conversation, but we went, I think we were in Alabama and it was so hot and you (laughs) lapped me. I don't know how many times on that 40 lap, whatever it is on the tracks, you know, 10 K. But I mean, I remember afterwards you talking to me and, you know, like you don't realize as a person, like what influence you're having on other people, but you know, you were that kind of person to me too. So I just thank you for that. And you gave me the opportunity. So I'm going to take it. So <laughs> I remember wow, well, just wanting to quit and just feeling like, you know, I wasn't good enough, but you wouldn't let me quit if I wanted to. <laughs> so, 
Oh, well, thank you for sharing that story. I wasn't seeking that at all, but that means so much to me. Thank you. It is true. And then I think after that, we went to like a Southern Baptist church. So I don't know if you remember that, but those trips were always so bizarre. So I don't remember the Southern Baptist church, but I do remember those long runs that you've mentioned before and the awesome conversations and the deep friendships that we formed in college with like-minded people. And I tell that to my husband sometimes now, because he thinks that distance runners are an odd lot, but I think we're pretty amazing because you don't have conversations in normal life like you do on a long run you're just too tired and too exhausted and you don't even know how you come up with these things but that was one of the draws to those long runs too it was it was well thank you Carla it's just always it's it's a joy to reconnect with you and I think you gave the audience just some great tidbits of information and I wouldn't be surprised if someday we are like able to do a race together at least to run together a walk or something in our future when you come back to the midwest or I'm out on the uh, east coast so thank you and to our listeners um, thank you for listening and be sure to just give us a like on apple itunes uh, and subscribe because it really does boost it up in the ratings so that people see the show and I appreciate it thank you Thanks for listening to the Running After Age 40 podcast. If you like the show, please be sure to rate and give us a like in iTunes. Also check out our website, www.runningwithgrit.com for all things related to running over the age of 40. We have a special gift guide up for the holidays on the site designed to share stocking stuffer ideas and gifts for runners at pretty much every price. Thanks for listening.